Thanks for being here. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. And we're coming up on episode number 91 right now. And Maria McCool is our next guest. She's known as the hair queen of QVC and also the founder and CEO of Callista. Maria knew early on she must follow a different path and that it wasn't a traditional one. Are you feeling the same type of pull in your career? Then you must listen to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get going. Episode 91 starts now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Litnikoff. I had to laugh because, as most of you have seen my photo, I'm a bald guy, right? So, But I'm interviewing today the hair queen from QVC, which I am way not your target market, but you have a lot of people that do buy from you. And I'm going to bring in Maria McCool, and she's from Callista. She sells a lot on QVC. She supports a lot of different types of charities. And Maria, I mean, that doesn't even do your bio really justice. And that's why I want to bring you into the conversation now to A, welcome you, and then B, have you expand on what I just said. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, Jeff, thanks so much for having me. I mean, I uh, it's exciting to be here, and I love what you're doing. So, Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. So tell me about you. How does one get to be the hair queen of QVC? <laughs> and I know that's that's kind of a funny title and everything, but it's a funny title for a serious business. I mean, you've literally sold millions of dollars in one day on QVC. Yeah. You've continued to expand your product line and just had much success, and now you're giving back to charity. So just love to hear your story about how you got to all this. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I listen to it like that, I forget, not that I forget how I got to it, but like how much it's grown because I feel like I'm still doing what I always did just at different levels. And it really did start, I started cutting my doll's hair when I was 10 and, um, and I actually, <laughs> it was one of those things where I actually thought my dolls were real. They had a lot of good feedback to me and I, I learned how to do hair. But when I was 12, my best friend was going through kind of a struggle in her life. Her parents were being divorced. She was the first girl at that time or first person in our school that their parent, you know, was divorcing. So it was a very odd thing. And, and, um, she just was very down. And we had the first boy girl party that we were going to be invited to. And she wasn't going to go. She just wasn't feeling like herself. And I said, no, 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 you're going, you know what, actually we're going to get your hair permed and cut. You're going to be beautiful. I know I can do this. We like marched up to the corner store. I bought a Tony Carmen rollers I did her hair, and we went that night to this party, and I watched her be, like, the belle of the ball. Like, what I gave her was so empowering, but what it gave me was equal in return, and I swear that was when I knew, like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this because it changes lives. Like, I really felt like it changed her life. It was like a switch. She went from being such in a dark hole to, like, feeling great about herself. And literally two years later, I was enrolled in beauty school, which was kind of interesting because I was, I enrolled when I was 14 years old. I had met a girl that was enrolled in high school. So I'm like, oh my God, that's great. This is what I've been doing since I've been 10. It's been four years. I'm going to enroll. And much to my dismay, I was a straight A student. I was a, actually top of my class student. 
and my teachers fought it. They were just like, no way, you can't do this. This is not, you know, you need to go to college, that whole thing. And I always like to say I was just too dumb to know or too ignorant to know the difference. I just knew what I loved, what I was doing. Even today, if you look it up, the average hairstylist makes thirty to 50000 a year, if they're lucky. Most of the average is like 23000 a year. So I, I look back now and know why they were doing what they were doing. But luckily, the funny part of the story is my dad and my mom came to the school to talk to the teachers. And I remember it because they walked in the front door of the school, which... I, during lunchtime, it was a side door, actually, and, like, all the students are in lunch and kind of see, and here's my dad holding my dolls. He literally brought my dolls to school. <laughs> so, like, they brought me in the office, and, and my parents just said, listen, we'd love for her to go to college, but we're telling you this is what she loves to do. She does it all the time, and it's just think this is what she wants, so we don't want to hold that back. We think this is a good thing, and so the school let me do it, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I was a licensed stylist. I would only go to school till 11 o'clock, and I went to, I did hair. I started work at noon every day when I was a senior in my whole half, second half of senior year. So, I mean, that kind of perlade into I was a competitive stylist. I actually even did the Hair Olympics, um, which was, you know, very cool. And as you compete, you start to... Um, you meet different people in the industry and they look at the competitors to maybe rep their brands or be in brand ambassadors. So I kind of moved into the brand ambassador part. Um, as a stylist, I was very busy. And, and that's something that was interesting, becoming a stylist, you know, in a, in a world where it was dominated by men, dominated. I mean, male stylists were the thing. And anybody that, when it came to brands, women weren't even brand ambassadors at that time, which was so interesting. And I always thought it was so odd. You know, I started working in a salon when I was 14 as a shampoo girl. And I just thought it was odd that these men, like all the time, the women would come in, the men would tell them how they should wear their hair and the women would agree, I think, whether they wanted it or not. And I just was thinking like, huh. like I kind of knew in my heart that that's not what the person was looking for. But Maybe because this guy was telling them they looked great. It just kind of went with it. And so when I became a stylist, I started working with women, really, like, coming up with, okay, so what's your lifestyle like? Like, tell me about yourself and, and what would be easier for you? And, like, really getting into more than just the look. And I, within months, like, my book was well booked in advance. I was booked out for months in advance. And, you know, that's what kind of parlayed into opening the salon. My my boss at the time, when I was 21, I was looking at what my options were going to be for my future. I was considering moving and I had some opportunities in LA at this point and in New York. And he said, no, I think we should do a salon around here because people need it. They need more than what they're being offered. And I thought, you know what, you're right. And from day one with Callista when we opened in 1989, which, by the way, Jeff, we're celebrating 30 years this month. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> because business is. And you should have a party because I tell you what, <laughs> business, as you know, is very tough. And to have a thriving business for 30 years, that is that's something to be celebrated for sure. Yeah, we're excited about that. And it is true. It is tough. And I think a lot of times people ask me what, like when they're doing a business. And, and this will parlay into the hair care line that we have now as well. It's really, you know, solving, I think it's solving 
people's problems, right? Like that's where I think you can have a sustainable business is when you're solving people's problems. And when we opened, so at 21, I agreed to do it. We, it opened right when I was, right before I was turning, I think 23. And what was interesting about it was I decided for the women, not just that it was for women, because we have a lot of men that come in, but a lot of women's problems were not being solved. So salons were never opened at night, right? Only one night, usually seven o'clock to seven o'clock on Thursdays. But at that time in 1989, there were a lot of working women. And when, when were they supposed to get their hair done? All of my clients were trying to jam into three appointments one night a week and some Saturday appointments. But we opened the Calista, it was open seven days a week till 10 o'clock every night. Well, actually it was 9.30, it was the mall hours. I opened the salon just like mall hours. And it proved to be really helpful to clients. I mean, we, we didn't, we didn't allow smoking back then, which was very unusual. Um, we just did some things that I know that people wanted to have a better environment when they came. So that was definitely, as we found out, people were really looking for that. And also like we happened to be a salon that when you came in to get your appointment, the first thing you got was a shoulder, neck and head massage before we started the appointment. And just because you arrived and it's time for you to relax and just have a moment to yourself and trying to set the pace of getting out of the hustle bustle of what your day was. Just little things that I think speak to your customer is really important. I tell you what, before we get into the resource question and get into the kind of the back half of this interview, and that was really great. It really gives me a good picture of where you've been and why you've been so successful. And this is something I want you to react to because it seems to me that there is an intensity of listening that you have. And what I mean by that is you intensely listen to yourself and follow your dreams no matter what the outside noise is because, again, you could have gone to the cookie cutter path path and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a path that I took and I've kind of branched out from there, uh, but I went to college, did all that stuff, but you did something different. You did something you loved. You listened to yourself and then you've listened to your customers. Like you've gotten to the point, And I think this is a lesson that you learned when you were young that, wow, this changes lives. This doesn't just, I'm not just doing somebody's hair or anything like that. I'm actually changing their life because I'm making them feel better about themselves. So talk to me about that intense listening is, and is that instinctual or is that something you had to learn or maybe it's a combination of both? Yeah. Well, you know, it's so insightful that you even mentioned that. I mean, I don't even know if I've kind of pinpoint that. And in listening to you, I'm like, that is exactly what it is. Because when you kind of, even with the the hair care line, like people will say, is this your dream that you always wanted? I, first of all, I knew I wanted to be, I loved doing the styling. I never really knew I was going to do the salon and I didn't know back then that I was going to have a hair care line. But as I continue to listen to my clients about their struggles on doing their hair themselves, so they love when they leave the salon, we call it beauty brave. They feel so beauty brave when they leave the salon. That's only like six, seven, eight times a year. How about the other 360 some days? But by listening and hearing that they're struggling on their own and then starting to create products and tools that actually help them, not created for stylists, because all the brands are out there creating products and tools for stylists, and then the stylists sell it to you, and then you got to figure it out. We create it from our clients. We listen to what you're saying. Like, we literally listen to our clients. They tell us they have problems, and then we come up with solutions. And I would say what you're saying is, is brilliant. And if you feel your listening skills aren't the best, you can learn how to have better listening skills. I mean, I think I probably had a, a natural tendency to listening well, but I definitely worked on that muscle because 
We all want to talk about ourselves. That's one thing I always teach anybody that works with me. Well, you need to not talk so much sometimes and listen to her. As long as you're listening to her, you're going to do great. So you can build that muscle if that answers your question. Like I think, and you should work on it. And you can find out on a scale of 1 to 10, you can go around and ask your family members, your close friends, and tell them on your, what you're listening, you know, like from 1 to 10, where do you think I rate? And then work on getting to 10. Well, they'll tell you, right? Don't you think, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of the people in your life are definitely, especially the ones closest to you, can be brutally honest. And uh, that's <laughs> lot, and it's a lot of times that's what you need in business. Well, let's. we have a few minutes left before we need to get to the resource question and then the final question. But tell me about the charity, because the charities, I should say, because something that's very important to you, as I can read in your bio, and you're definitely somebody that gives back. So maybe spend a few minutes talking about your charity work. Yeah. So at Callisto, we have a couple of things. Um, one that's been now will be its 21st year where we work with the Penn Medicine Cancer Group and we do events and things that raise money, but it's all for the patients. So the money that we raise goes towards them having a better experience during a very difficult time. So that might be a wig, that might be transportation to their treatments, that might be helping them out getting groceries. It's, uh, we do massage, a lot of different things that's geared towards them. And then another thing that's been really near and dear is the MassLife program that we got involved with, with one of our models that we use on QVC all the time. And we sponsor girls first to enter into high school We pay for them to enter into high school because otherwise they would be married off and they've seriously obviously have found that knowledge is the key for them. So we sponsor them through high school, not only paying because they're generally it's a private high school they need to go to and then the necessities so that they can go, right, health-wise and clothing and whatnot. But what's been really cool is that we've been doing it long enough now that some of those girls we've brought into college as well. So it's really great to see and it's just really about empowering and making people feel good about themselves so that they can themselves become the person that they are meant to become. Love the theme of this whole interview. It's making people feel good and feel better about themselves. So that's awesome. Let's get into some resources that you would like to recommend. And by the way, I'm going to have links in your section to Callista, all your charity work, all the other good stuff. But outside of Callista and your charity work and all all those other great things, what are some other resources you suggest that our listeners maybe should plug into that inspire you? Well, I listen to you, of course, now that I was introduced to you and I love the podcast. I'm a big podcast fan. Dan Skims from the Couch is one of my favorites. The core, I do listen to a lot of that. I, I listen to a TED Talk every morning. So when I get out of the shower, because they're kind of quick and I'm going to like you know, before I blow dry my hair, which gets loud, I listen to a TED Talk a day. I usually just search something I'm interested at the time, which is kind of cool. But some of my mentors as well is like Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson. Oprah, believe it or not, is very inspiring to me. Mel Robbins now. I'm always on YouTube as far as I'm just notorious for just going into YouTube, searching something. Maybe it's manifesting abundance. And then I'll see what comes up and I'll pick one based on the minutes of time I have. 
So I'm way more of a listener than a reader these days for some reason. I guess it's just I'm also a busy mom, so it just seems easier. Well, I'll tell you what, I love that you're a listener, and I especially love that you like this podcast a lot. So keep on being a listener. I endorse that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I will, for sure. Oh, that's great. So, well, we're going to get into our final question here, and this is where I hand the mic back to you. So Maria McCool of Callista, the floor is yours to address the audience with whatever you'd like to talk to them about right now. You know, I I think that listening is good. I mean, you brought it up. It's not something that I was thinking of, but for sure that's good. But I also think that don't squash your dreams in a way that there might be something you love and you really do really well. I mean, take it from me when everybody said, wow, you'll just never make any money doing that career, which is built into a million dollar, multi-million dollar business that I have and have had for a long time from a very young age. So don't believe in that because if you're solving people's problems with what it is you love to do, you can certainly build a business larger than you can think. And, and, and don't be afraid of that. Be your own advocate. Um, make sure you, um, you know, fiercely advocate for yourself. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I've just watched a lot of people that are afraid to charge or afraid. There's a lot of places where I see people underestimating themselves. So if you unfortunately underestimate yourself, that's what you'll get. So do not do that. (laughs) I'm going to say do not do that. You have to shoot for the stars because when you do, even when you fall short, you're going to be up there in the clouds and that's not a bad place to be. Well, inspirational way to close out this podcast. I love it. And Maria McCool of Callista, thank you so much for spending time with us this week. I definitely appreciated it. And uh, it was great to have you. Well, I'm so grateful that you had me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your podcast. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Dr. Nanette Miner believes the lifeblood of an organization rests with their future leaders, and many companies fall short in developing them. How can you fix this? A first step is to listen to the informative interview with Dr. Miner. And here is a little bit from Dr. Miner right now. I would just say to business leaders, managers, owners, start small. Some of the suggestions I gave earlier, they're they're pretty small, but they are powerful. Be consistent. Be purposeful about it so that, you know, on day one, when people come into an organization, I I like to tell my clients, I want you to say in every interview you have with a potential employee, we will train you to be the CEO someday. Please help us grow. Rate and review us on the podcasting service you use to listen. I know it probably sounds simple and easy to you, and it is, but it's very important for us because rating and reviewing is one of the key ways to help people find new podcasts. And we want to help people find this podcast as much as possible. Again, thanks for listening. See you for the next episode of Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International.